Hallelujah. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. Appreciate you being in discipleship uh, today. We'll continue with our new uh, series on living unselfishly. And uh, this is a topic that we actually, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we covered it in a fashion on a Wednesday night. Um, But part of living unselfishly, um, today we're going to talk about the generous life. The generous life. And I know uh, I always, you know, these kind of lessons, you know how I am about uh, I don't want everything people, well, they're trying to shake us down again. But I would not be pastoring the way I should be if I did not teach people that giving and being generous is part of being his disciple. Right. If you're going to be like God, you're going to be a giver. Yeah. That doesn't always mean money. God gives us a lot of things that are not monetary. He gives us a lot of things that you can't even hold in your hand, but they're there. He's a giving, and he is a generous God. David said, my cup runneth over. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above. I ask or think he's very generous. Um, He said, I'll even pour you out a blessing that you won't be able to contain it. He's generous. He doesn't give us the bare bones, but he's always blessing his people. But to... Uh, if we're going to live after the way Jesus lived, we're going to model his life. We must practice generosity and live unselfishly. And so generosity is part of uh, living this unselfish life. And again, that doesn't just mean what you give in money. Uh, It's uh, being a generous person. You're the kind of person that will bless others. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul wrote this, 6 through 8. He said, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Uh, our giving is tied directly to the condition of our heart. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. You don't just give because, well, I got to give so I can go to heaven. I got to give because they asked. You don't give grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always have in all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. The early church began in a powerful, dramatic fashion. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, 120 disciples had gathered together in an upper room. A prayer meeting that had begun over 10 days before was still in full operation as spiritually hungry disciples waited for the promise of the Father. Suddenly, without warning, Uh, A loud roar filled the upper room where they were praying. A supernatural manifestation of tongues of fire appeared over each disciple, signaling the arrival of this long-awaited promise. As the Holy Ghost was poured out, the disciples experienced a complete transformation. As the Spirit filled their hearts, 
The promised power Jesus had prophesied took up residence within each one of them. It was so transformational that its influence led them to impact the culture in which they moved and operated on a daily basis. Not only did the power of the Spirit produce culture change wherever the newly filled disciples went, but this new experience also thrusted these new believers into close fellowship one with the other. Luke recorded how those in early New Testament church provided for the needs that began to arise in the lives of their fellow believers. The generosity of this fledgling church opened up a door of provision and blessing that spread throughout the regions that the Christians occupied. In Acts 2, 44 through 47, it says, all that believed were together. This was new because people were so divided in that day, even they were all Jews, but they were Sadducees, they were Pharisees. They, some believed in the resurrection, some didn't. Some believed keeping this, some didn't. It was Nobody was on the same page, but now that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, they were together. They had all things common. It says they sold their possessions and goods, parted them to all men as every man had need, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness, singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. So they were having great church. They were having great fellowship and people were taking care of one another. This was the time they lived in. I'm not, uh, hopefully we will never get to a point where we'll have to say, okay, we're a congregation together and uh, the world is in such a state that we need to pool our resources so we can all survive. But this was the way the church was at that time. People had needs and they, they said, you know, we're in this together and we're going to take care of one another. So people had things they realized I'm not doing anything with that. That's not benefiting me. Uh, but I could sell it and I could, you know, I, one time years ago we, we did a fundraiser and, and I said, you know, if all of us did like that, that church did and began to look through our garages and attics and backyards and sheds, I said, we'd find a lot of things that have sit for numerous years yeah. that we're never going to use or touch again. But what if you sold it? And use that money to uh, help a missionary or to provide a need for somebody or somebody who was struggling with, that was unemployed or, or had just financial burdens that had fallen on. What if you could help somebody? Uh, being generous will oftentimes cause you to look for ways to help others. And you will always be ready in some way to do what it is. Sometimes it might just be fixing a meal for somebody. Hey, they're going through some things and you might just prepare a meal or go buy some groceries or give them a, a gift card to a restaurant, you know, something that could help them out. Uh, you know, generous, giving, ready to give because that's the way God is. Always ready. Does God ever just bless you sometimes? Uh, you're going through something and you need, you know, you need a little encouragement, a little pick me up and God just lets a blessing fall on you somehow. Is, and it might come through a phone call, a text message sometimes or, hey, you know, it's a, uh, a gift that's, that comes to you and all of a sudden you're like, man, somebody does care. God is listening. You know, God is taking care of you. That's uh, that generous God I'm talking about. He knows sometimes that, uh, that silver and gold ain't what you need. Just like that man sitting at the gate that Peter and John walked up on. Yeah, he's asking for silver and gold, but Peter said, that ain't what you need. You need to be able to walk. So you can, and so God, instead of 
uh, miraculously putting two or three gold pieces in Peter's pocket so he could throw it into his hat. He says, why don't you just grab him by the hand and in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And so now this guy is much more blessed than just a couple of gold coins because now he can work and make his own money. He can, uh, and not only that, he can tell others about what God can do. God has blessed him far above uh, silver and gold. God has been generous and, and touched him today. And that's the way the church operated. It was part of their function. Jesus had told his followers, and we love this, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But the church did not realize at that time how far-reaching that power would be because it wasn't just the power to cast out devils and it wasn't just the power to lay hands on the sick, but it was a power to just influence the world, to uh, help them carry the gospel to the all around the globe, to the entire new world. It helped them everywhere they could go. They were preaching the gospel, turning it upside down. And the gospel also impacted the love and care that each disciple had for one another. It wasn't just about, uh, hey, now we've got the Holy Ghost and we're going to get a title and we're going to get a position. But it was about, I can help my brother and I can help my sister and I can uh, work with them and pray with them and lift them up and encourage them and and help them to uh, make it on this journey with me. The Holy Ghost impacted the generosity of the church because their generosity in sharing the gospel with the lost and their generosity in sharing their blessings with those who are in need uh, is what caused the church to grow in the fashion that it did. It wasn't just because of their possessions because people can give you stuff and not even really care who you are. People do it all the time. Every year, you know, sometime uh, in the, uh, you start seeing these guys outside with the red bucket and their bell. Yeah. And people just come by, toss and change. They ain't worried about it. He said, I'm just going to do it so he won't say nothing to me. I just, you know, it, ain't, it ain't about, you worried if, it, if that 10 cents goes in his pocket or anybody else. You don't care. It's, and that's why some people, they can just, they can give you stuff, but they don't care about it. If what it does, it's just, it's nothing. It's just trying to give you something. Giving stuff all the time doesn't mean you're generous because you have another motive. Generosity deals with the way your heart is operating and how you, uh, how you want to give. And so, uh, the church had become generous with sharing this gospel. And I wish somebody would be generous and make this microphone quit cutting in and out right now. This thing's, I'm about to throw it. I'm going to baptize it and pick this handheld one back up. When you're generous, well, you, you, you find ways to make other people's lives better. You give uh, to others, and this is the way the church operated. And if you know, we, we, we can hold fast to one or two things that the apostles did and the first church did, that ain't enough. We've got to be like they were. This is recorded in uh, Acts 2. You know, just about six verses below Acts 2.38 is where it talks about how the church felt about giving and how they felt about being generous and supporting each other. And so if the church ever just becomes uh, to the point where, well, all we're doing is preaching this, preaching that, but nobody's giving, the church will not last. 
people won't stay if nobody is giving of their time, of their support, of their love. Uh, and the church will close its doors if people stop giving in their offerings or give it, it, it just, it'll stop. Giving is part of the church as part of this uh, unselfish life that we want to live. And so this type of generosity is something that you read. When you keep going through the book of Acts, you'll see that um, even in Acts 11, you'll see this same attitude that when uh, the church in Antioch, they sent provisions to the church in Judea because there was a great famine. And it says uh, that they were, these funds were carried to uh, that church by the hands of Paul and Barnabas. Acts 11 and 29 said, Then the disciples, every man, according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren. Everybody said, there's something I can do. Now, I don't know that everybody sent money. Somebody might have sent uh, several loaves of bread. They might have sent some grain. They might have sent uh, some figs or some kind of uh, food that they had. They might have sent something. that They said, everybody determined in themselves, okay, I can do something. And everybody doing something, they said they sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. They sent, they said, we'll make sure our brothers, we're in a place where we're doing it right. We're going to make sure our brothers and our sisters are okay and that the work doesn't die for lack. So we think sometimes, well, you know, as long as, as uh, we all got the Holy Ghost and, and we're saved and everything, that the work will just miraculously continue without any effort from us. That is not the case. He filled us for a purpose. He called us for a reason. He cleansed us and washed us and, and sent us. Before he went out of this world, he told them, you're going to go preach. Somebody's got to preach the message. The message is not just going to miraculously end up in people's lives. Somebody's got to go and preach. You're going to travel. And it's going to take effort. It's going to be in peril of your life. You're going to be uh, doing these things. Somebody's got to make it happen. And so they realize, hey, we don't want the church there to stop. That's why we're so big on giving for missions and things like that, because uh, here we're, we're good. We're comfortable. We've got a good building. We've got church. But there's a lot of places that they're setting up and taking down. They're looking for a building. They're trying to find a place. And, and so we give in offerings when they say, hey, we're trying to buy a building. We're trying to rent a room. We're trying to uh, put up a tent. We're, you know, we're just trying to have something, that we can, Bibles that we can give to people. And so we give because we realize if somebody doesn't help, then no work will go on in that area. Because God is not going to miraculously create a box full of Bibles and drop them in their lap. But he's going to put it in the heart of somebody who says, it's my ability and I can do these things. I can search my heart and God has gave me the ability. He's blessed me and I can be generous and give. And so a major precedent was set in the church at this time in regard to generous giving and generous living. And as we examine the importance of this Today, we must also be reminded that generosity is still something that is vitally important for today's church. Generosity opens a door that allows blessings to flow into many areas of our lives as well into the church as a whole. When we were in, at because of the times, um, the, there was a missionary who spoke the last night and uh, they didn't even have him on the schedule because he works in a land that uh, he's not supposed to be there preaching the gospel. And so they 
wouldn't let anybody take pictures and record, and they didn't even put that DVD in the set. You know, it's not there. And so uh, he began to talk about the things that he was going through and the things that they went through, and he preached an incredible message for the church that night. But uh, when they began to take up uh, the offering for uh, to help the conference, they just changed everything. All of a sudden, it was no more about helping the conference. They were going to take a missions offering. And for 20, 25 minutes or so, people all over that auditorium began to stand. back and forth, back and forth. And before it was over with, just in that part of the offering, over $500,000. And then the total from the earlier that day from pledge cards and different things, 648, I believe, $648,000 was the total. uh, Over half a million dollars. And you say, well, what's that do? Uh, these missionaries that, uh, that are on the I Am Global Missions, almost every, I believe, and maybe everyone that was on that, their deputation was finished. It was paid for, and now they can go back to their land. So instead of traveling for six or seven more months trying to raise funds to get back, they're on the way back to where they labor because the church gave. And that's incredible. And it wasn't some, one person gave it all. It was like, Whatever God's laid on your heart, just let it out. So uh, people standing up, you know, like I say, it was different amounts all over the room. But for 20 or 25 minutes, that went on. And you say, wow, man, I couldn't believe I had sat in the offering for 25 minutes. It was incredible. Because the Spirit of the Lord, you could feel in that room. And I remember thinking, we're watching God work a miracle right now through giving and uh, people, can you imagine these missionaries that have been traveling so long? And they, they, all the people they've worked with and baptized that are thousands of miles away, and they can't be there. And, and they're worried, will the work still be there when I get home? Or you know, they, they're worried about so many things, and now all of a sudden, I don't have to wait another year. I don't have to go around with my hand out. But people just said, there's a need, and it's got to be met. And God moved in that place. Generosity. Man, it was incredible to see that kind of generosity because I realized that the gospel is bigger than Winterville, Georgia. And it's bigger than Athens. It's bigger than the state of Georgia. It's the gospel to the whole world. And so every single church, somehow, some way, when you all give, it all adds up. And, boy, what a, a meeting that was and incredible. And you think, well, I don't know if I'd want to be in that. Oh, you would. You would have loved that atmosphere. It was incredible to see God doing that. And even some of the missionaries who you know they don't have money were standing up, third world, work in a third world country, standing up and saying, I'm going to give $500. You know what $500 is to them? That's everything. And they were giving it. And, man, God just multiplied it and, and blessed it. And, and oh, I, I would love to have been Brother Howell, who's over all this, calling these missionaries one by one, saying, you're going back, you're going back, you're going back. Can you imagine the people just talking in tongues on the other end of that phone? Just drop the phone, shouting, stomping, going on. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It, it, get, it opens up many, many areas for us, we're the church, and that's what we do. And so when we look at what Paul said to the church in Corinth, we learn 
the purpose behind giving and being generous. The attitude of generous giving is a powerful concept. Giving's powerful. It's powerful. A powerful concept for those who are becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. People that are coming into the church need to realize this. Now, yeah, sure, maybe you don't want to hit them first thing off the block. Glad you're here. Hope you brought your checkbook. They back out the door. It's not uh, the first thing that they learn, but uh, they will learn that they are part of a giving culture when they see others giving uh, and helping, and then they can learn as they grow along through Bible studies and reading on their own and God laying on their heart. Because I promise if the Holy Ghost is in there, uh, that kind of, uh, unless we shut it down, that kind of attitude comes with it because it's the Spirit of God. So uh, by far, giving is one of the most apostolic attitudes that we can possess as a Christian. One of the fastest ways to destroy the power of greed is through giving. That's what we used to teach our kids when they look to share. Don't be greedy. Share. Share with your brother. Share with your sister. Hard, isn't it, for them little kids? Share. I didn't want to share. And uh, I, I, I didn't share. Uh, but my stuff got broke anyway. Maybe if I'd have shared, he wouldn't have torn them up. I don't know. You never know. But I'm sure I broke plenty of things, too. Generous giving, when you give strategically and spontaneously, sometimes God just lays it on you. Sometimes you're planning it out. It breaks the hold of greed over our lives, releasing us to become a vital part of what God is doing in his kingdom. Second Corinthians 9, 5 through 6 says, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I was reading the New King James there. If you're looking, say, that don't look like what he's reading. Uh, But so Paul, having lived in this agrarian culture, Uh, The readers of this passage no doubt understood what he was saying because Jesus himself often used the subject of agriculture in his teachings. And so Paul wrote that giving should be a willing response to God's grace, not something that is done grudgingly. Jesus and Paul both revealed that blessings are directly related to giving. In fact, what also appears to be highlighted, highlighted is that the size of what is harvested is in direct correlation to the size of what is sowed. Therefore, the magnitude of what one individual may expect in the harvest can only be determined by the scope of what is sown. We just know that naturally. If you plant a handful of seed, your garden will be so big. If you plant a bag full of seed, there you go. Uh, That's uh, just natural. uh, The Lord showing us that way. He said it works just like that. It works just like that. That Now, uh, I believe that that can work uh, to your advantage because God, the way he looks at things, is if he sees a widow woman with two mites, she's throwing in more than them that's just given out of their abundance because that's all she had. So when she put in two mites, that's like sowing a whole bag full because he's like, she, her generosity is there. 
And uh, so if she if she had six, the Lord knows she'd have gave six. If she'd had ten, she'd have gave ten. She had two. That's what she gave. This other guy had a thousand. He gave one. See, and so the Lord sees that, and so He knows that how she sowed. She didn't sow sparingly. She sowed everything she had. And so who knows what kind of blessing that, that lady came up with later. Uh, maybe we'll ask her when we get to heaven one day. Maybe she's there and say, oh, yeah, by the time Pentecost rolled around, I sold the farm and helped further the gospel in Asia. You know, we, I, who, hey, what do you know? Maybe all of a sudden uh, somebody knocked at the door and said, you had a rich third uncle that died, and he left you 7,800 pieces of silver. I don't know. Yo, and boom, there she is. All of a sudden, she's on Forbes 500. There she is. <laughs> or 400 or 300, whatever that is. I'm not one of those financial guys. But understanding that uh, what we sow, uh, being generous, just the attitude, the attitude of the heart. We talked last week about the attitude of Jesus. It's just that attitude, you know. And so uh, it's vital to our understanding of what Paul meant when he wrote that God loves a cheerful giver. It is clear in this passage that God loves generosity. So what does it mean to be a cheerful giver? We must give from the heart and with the right motive. Having a bad attitude about giving uh, more likely will negate the promise of blessings of the blessings that God's Word says that are ours. You know, it says if we give, we're going to be blessed, but if we give it and we can't let go of it, if we fussing about all the things we're not going to have because we just wrote that check. Uh, well, you know what? That blessing's going one way. Because I was like, whoo, what a, man, I had to pry that out of your hand. You know, what's the cost of his blood? What's the cost of that spirit that lives inside of you? What's the cost of that breath you're breathing in and out right now? Can't put a price on it, and so we, we want to be generous and bless, be a blessing. And God knows when you can, and He knows when you can't. And so, uh, when we look at these things and realize that we want to give with the right motive, uh, God will love those who give joyfully and not grudgingly. Now He loves everybody, but He loves a cheerful giver. And so, I want to make sure that I am giving. Cheerfully, I write out it and like, hey, I know this is going to help further the gospel. And there ain't nothing I love more than knowing that somebody somewhere is going to be touched. If you love seeing people saved, you realize you can't save everybody, but you can sure help that cause. So there you go. The benefit of giving, benefits of giving are discussed. Uh, Paul mentions that God's grace will abound in our life. This means much more than God simply providing for our needs at specific times in our lives. It means grace will continue on as we give, abounding in every area of our lives, reaching all the way into eternity. The things you do here are going to matter there. It does. And so uh, the reward for giving is rarely just a one-time reward. You know, God, if you gave everything you had in an offering, and God sees that, He's like, I'm going to lay it, I'm going to try them. and lays it on your heart. Give that $20 you got. Oh, that's my lunch money. Give that $20 you got. That's, ah, oh, okay. I will, Lord, because you're asking me and I want to see, I want to be a blessing. You give it right attitude. You give everything. 
And you know that God sees that's the kind of person you are, and you'll be blessed in your life. It's not like, well, I'm going to give them $20 back tomorrow, and then we'll just see what happens next time. God knows that you're ready. You might get $20 the next day, 500 the next day, because God will bless you into your future. It's running over. Give back, shaking together, and running over. God's going to give you stuff that keeps going. I want to make sure that I have the right attitude for giving. Uh, God will sufficiently give all that is needed, and our God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. But he will give all that is needed to enable us to continue moving forward and accomplish what God is expecting. The sufficiency of God is not for us to just be blessed in the moment. It is provided so that lastly, givers will go on to abound in every good work in their lives and the end of others and in the work of God. Just like Abraham, uh, he told Abraham, we are blessed to be a blessing. He was the father of the faithful and he was told that he would be blessed by God in order to bless many other people. All nations would be blessed in him. And so you see all these people that because he's the father of faith and because Abraham was a, a giver and he was a, a faithful follower and he was a, a generous person and, and uh, he was just so obedient to God, ready to do, ready to go, not knowing where he would go. And God blessed him. And, and we're blessed today because of Abraham. You know that, surely. You realize that today we are blessed because of Abraham. Because, well, no, Abraham, where's the tribes? And if there ain't no tribe of Judah, where is the son of David at? You know, you realize that, uh, the importance that Abraham plays in our, our walk with God. The rewards mentioned, uh, if you look at uh, verse 10, you have to put that one up for me, brother, or I may have it right here. God's, or Paul said, now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So God is talking about, I'm going to bless you. He'll multiply the seed that we sow. Well, maybe it's not, uh, I ain't talking about grass seed and pumpkin seeds and, and watermelon seeds. I'm talking about the things we're sowing yeah. in this life. God's going to multiply that. And if you're, let me tell you, he never said he's going to make you a millionaire. But you keep sowing and giving. God's going to make you. You're not going to do without. God's going to take care of you. And he says he will minister bread for your food. He's going to take care of you. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging bread. And multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. He's going to, it's going to be such a blessing in your walk with him. You know, uh, and it, how can, I, I believe in being wise. I believe in being careful. I believe in paying attention to what you do. I don't believe in being foolish with your funds. But if you can't let go, and if it's just, mm-mm-mm, oh, I'll, I'll pray, I'll fast, I'll sing songs. Don't ask me for my money. That's just not the right attitude. I do, and neither do I believe that a man should stand behind this desk and constantly ask you for your money. I believe once we are born again, and once we've heard these things, we know these things are in the Word, that we need, just like every other area of our life we work on, we should work on being generous. And then, 
nobody ever has to say, hey, come on, open them pocketbooks up. You know, I knew a man one time, they took an offering, get ready to take an offering. This man prayed, and he said, Lord, bless them that give, and then that don't give, curse them. I promise you, I'm standing flat-footed behind his pulpit, he said it. I was about three weeks in the church, man. I popped my eyes open. I was like, that can't be right. I said, I just, I, I don't know nothing yet, and that can't be right. And uh, I, I was shocked. I said, like, man, I got $2 in my pocket that ain't even mine. And so, I mean, I didn't understand it. And then I, I know a guy, they, they took the offering up. Service was going on. They come told him what they took up. He just cut the service. He said, we didn't get enough. Pass it again. Whew. You will never see me do that. I won't do that. And uh, I learned, people ask me a lot of times, how come you don't take an offering on Wednesday night? Because I take one on Sunday. Now, if people forget, they bring me their stuff sometimes on Wednesday night and say, hey, I wasn't here Sunday, or can I go ahead and give this one be here next Sunday? That's fine. But I don't take an extra offering uh, on Wednesday night because uh, I believe it the way my pastor taught it. He said if we do things according to the Scripture, he said if the saints obey it and they'll give of tithe and give willingly in the offerings, that we will always have what we need, and we always have. And then when we've had to raise extra funds, you have been tremendous and doing and giving and helping us meet those needs. So I don't believe in, in uh, preaching on money every single week. And after this lesson's over, it probably will be a while before you hear it. It might be next year before you hear about it again because now you've heard it. And if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word and if giving's in the word, you ought to have faith in your giving. If we have faith in praying for the sick, faith in praying for lost people, we ought to have faith in giving. That giving will work just like every other scripture says it would. And uh, I'm getting off my subject. I better get busy. I'm going to try to stay on time today. So uh, let's remember that God's going to bless us and uh, establish, when we establish that pattern of giving in our, our life, uh, we're going to help not just ourselves, we're going to help others. And God will multi- not only multiply the seed we sow, but he will also increase, increase the fruits of righteousness, which are heavenly rewards. The Bible says, exercise ourselves unto godliness. Generous giving is part of being godly. And then uh, and it says that's got promise in this life and the life to come. So remember that. We must understand now, here we go, that generosity is not just tied to financial giving. So I'm going to get ready to shh about money. There are other ways that we can give, and we should also always consider these other ways to give of ourselves. Number one, our time. See, some people say, well, they can give if they got more money than I do. You know where everybody's equal? Time. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have seven days in a week. We all get, nobody, you know, I feel like you're working eight days. You ain't. Seven days, it's seven days in a week. There's only 24 hours in a day there. It feels like it runs out. You feel like, where did the time go? I know it goes fast sometimes, but we all have the same amount of time on this earth. And so, we need to budget our time like we budget our money so that we can do uh, godly things and invest in the kingdom with our time. Don't just, well, you know what I'm going to do? Man, I'm just going to be busy. I'm going to play. I'm going to run. I'm going to do this. But I'll, write, I'll make sure I write an extra check. 
You can't buy that. It's not the way it works. This is not how any of that works. We are all given 24 hours every day, and this is where we are equal. No one has been gifted more time than anyone else. So we must take advantage of every moment and not squander, or we need to redeem the time. As time is uh, probably our most valuable commodity, the way we use our time will directly reflect the value we place on our relationship with God. Number two, our talents. What has God given you that you can do? Believe it or not, you are a talented individual. Yes, you are. Maybe you can't sing. And maybe you can't play music. But I promise you that you, you're not just a Holy Ghost-filled dud. Right. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying to you? You are not a Holy Ghost-filled dud. You are not a loser in the kingdom of God. And God did not wash you from your sins and fill you with his spirit. Uh, he has he called laborers to the harvest. And guess what, honey? That's you and me. And when that light shines, it all shines the same. And so let me tell you, maybe you're not uh, the singer or the musician. Maybe you're not even the preacher, but you're something in the body. And you're something in the kingdom. And so God wants us to use uh, what he's given us. You may not be a talented sports figure or anything like that or, or like the world, things that the world considers to be talent and things like that. You know, America's got talent and now this country's got talent and that country's got talent. I guess everybody's got talent. But if you're not using talent for the kingdom of God, what if you can sing, but all you're singing is garbage? That ain't helping the kingdom. That ain't glorifying God. What if you can play music, but you're just playing nonsense? That don't help nothing. That doesn't help anything. Use what you've got for the kingdom of God. Whatsoever you find to do, do it with your might. And do it as unto the Lord. Praise God. Use that talent. I promise you that every part of this body, even in the local assembly, matters, has some part they can play. Now, if you decide to sit back and check out, that's on you. Uh, but let me tell you, there are plenty of places where you can find something to do for God's kingdom. You can greet people in the parking lot. Uh, you can greet people at the door. You can shake people's hands. You can uh, figure out how to pray. You can pray with them in the altar. If you can't sing, don't join the choir. Please. And if you really can't play music, then don't get up here and try. Practice. And if you get, get there, then do it. But if, if you know I love music, but I am not a musician, then don't be grabbing guitars and don't, don't hit that fallback so anybody can play the tambourine. Because anybody can't play the tambourine. And everybody shouldn't play the tambourine. You need to be good like Will over there now. That boy can play a tambourine. He, so he's got that. I don't. That's why you don't see me with tambourines, drumsticks in my hand. I ain't behind the keyboard. and I, uh, The only guitar I play is air guitar. That's it. Because if you miss the note, it ain't me. It was on the radio. I don't know how I missed it. They missed it. I'm just imitating them. Whatever your town of, uh, whatever town of ability you may possess, choose to use it to bring glory and honor to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Use it for God. Now, and then uh, 
the third thing, the third place, the third area is our treasure. Jesus, we talked about this in our lesson the other day. Uh, there are over 1,500 references to giving in the scripture. So you can't just erase giving. It's important. Jesus talked about the subject of money more than anything else besides the kingdom of God. You look at it, you study it, you'll find it's true. But uh, one possible reason is that he knows the value that people place on money. He knows what money, both the lack of money and the abundance of money have ruined many, many people. Money and lack of it can bring stress, anxiety, and depression. So money ain't always the answer. And guess what? Uh, Money cannot buy you happiness. And it can't buy you love. Money is best spent not accumulating toys for yourself, but meeting the needs of others and encouraging those who have fallen on hard times. When you use money for what it was meant for. Money is a necessity not only for our lives, but to fuel the operation of the ministries of God's kingdom. Somebody once said, show me your checkbook and I will show you your priorities. Jesus said something very similar when he said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Whatever monetary blessing we find in our lives, we must choose to be givers and use our treasure for advancement of the kingdom of God. You realize we're all part of the the kingdom work, right? That's what we are. And when the church begins to realize that once again, that we're not just a, a club, we're not just a social place and a gathering, but we are the bride, the church of the living God. We are invested in kingdom work. Oh, I tell you, blessings are going to be flowing. Things are going to start happening because we're going to start imitating that uh, church that was in book, the book of Acts. Honey, you can come on up to the platform. I'm about to be done. So how we sow in these areas, these three areas will determine. So how you sow with your time, your talent, and your treasure It will determine what we reap in other areas of our lives. May it never be said of the church that we were too stingy to meet the needs of the world around us. James taught a tremendous lesson on faith. Talking about faith without works is dead. You know the the scriptures in the book of James. But this is what he said, the example he gave in James 2 and 14. What does it profit, brethren, though a man say he has faith and he have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, but notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? You know, I don't want to just speak empty words to people. If it's in my power, the scripture talks about us not withholding. If it's in our ability to do good, not to withhold it. And I don't, I don't want to ever, uh, you know, one place said if a man asks for your uh, coat, then give him your cloak too. You know, if I ask you to go one mile, go the extra mile. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your things. Help somebody. You never know what that'll do sometimes. Uh, and I, I have seen times where, and it, and it always came back around to where I was able to be on the other end of it, but 
where you know, without saying a word to anybody, not doing anything, we just I just realized, hey, today uh, service is over. I'm going home because I couldn't go out to eat or I couldn't do this if I wanted to. And before I could get out the door, somebody would come by and hug my neck, shake my hand with a folded up 20 or 50 or $100 bill. And I was able to go up and take my wife and my kids out to eat, things like that, you know, and God just blessed. And then I have been able to do that. And I've seen the impact it makes when people, you know, they would love to go, but, and hey, let me tell you about, you need to be generous and you need to be able to receive generosity. Uh, that's that's that, that two-way thing. I ain't never seen anybody look up at God and say, don't give me no mercy today. I'm good all by myself. So when somebody comes up and says, hey, I just want to bless you with this, don't be like, oh, no, I can't. Come on. Don't, I, and what do we always say? Hey, don't, don't rob me of my blessing. Because, <laughs> you know, God laid this on my heart. And, and you, it might be a little uncomfortable. You may be a little embarrassed. But, but that's, that's just simply pride and stuff you need to get out of your life. Because the church is here to help each other. You know that in that day in the, in the book of Acts, that church, it said some got more than others, but everybody got what they needed. How do you think somebody carrying an armload of stuff felt when they walked by somebody who only had a handful of stuff? Might have seemed a little awkward, like, I'm, not, I'm really not being greedy. This is, I've just got 12 kids. I need this, you know, whatever. And this person's like, I, I live by myself. This is all I need. So everybody got what they needed. You don't have to be embarrassed about what God gave you and what God provided for you because that's God supplying your need. And if somebody says, hey, God laid this on my heart, and slips that money to you, thank that person and thank God because God's looking out for you. He's just keeping his word. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. He somehow, you know who he uses to do that a lot? Your brother and your sister. And then sometimes it'll be somebody out of the blue. This guy that wrote this lesson, he told a story at the end of this when him and his wife first started pastoring a small church, broke trying to make it work. They were sitting money back because they wanted to go to camp meeting that summer. But they were in a service, had an evangelist come through, and the evangelist started preaching on giving, sacrificial giving. And the guy said, you know, man, Lord, start laying it on my heart. I want you to give what you've saved up for camp meeting and the offering. And he said, I just dismissed it. You know, he's like, man, I could, you know, we're really looking forward to this. This is going to be a blessing to us. And he said, but the more and more he preached, he said, finally, I leaned over and told my wife, said, the Lord's laid this on my heart to give. She said, he did to me too. He said, so I wrote a check for the entire amount that we had saved up for camp meeting. He said, a week later, I was outside watering the lawn at the church. A car pulled into the parking lot. It was this backslider I had been talking to. And with the car still running, he jumped out and handed me an envelope and said, God told me to give this to you. And he drove off. He said, oh, my wife came out and said, who was that? He said, I told her, we opened it up. He said, it was exactly half the amount that we had given in the offering. He said, while we were standing there talking, that same car pulled back in. And the guy jumped out and handed him some more money and said, this is the rest of what God told me to give you. And got back in his car and drove off. I don't know what God told him when he pulled out that driveway, but he come back. He didn't want to end up like Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> so he's like, this is the rest of it. And he said it was exactly the amount we gave in that other offering. So 
when you when you bless others, it don't hey it don't just go away. That don't just disappear into thin air. It's coming back. It's going to come back and find you. You can believe that. Let's stand together this morning. And you know, I, I, I want to be generous any way I can. I've always said, man, if somebody, if people talk about, boy, if I was to hit that lottery with $193 million, I, I don't know if I'd have a dime left because I know it. I'd be building churches in other countries. I'd be building churches over here. I'd, wasn't nobody went to church here. Y'all, hey, y'all could all retire. You know, nobody had to. Well, nobody had to work. I'd just be like, here's a million for you. Here's a million for you. Here's a million for you. Well, we don't play the lottery. Sorry. So, but uh, you know what? It truly is more blessed to give. What a I mean, if that don't get me right? It feels good to receive. He didn't say that was bad. But the feeling of giving. You know, because you can't give God nothing that he don't already have. The world is his and the, the fullness thereof. And so when we give praise and give, you know, he loves that stuff, but he don't need nothing I got. He don't need. So that don't work on him. But he knows what it feels like to give. And when you give, you're never more like him than when you're giving. And that feeling of knowing you helped somebody out when uh, that you blessed and that it got them over the hump or it, it kept food on their table or, or just and if it, even if it's your time. Just that feeling of giving. I just, I'm glad you took that five minutes to talk to me. So you, you scared you when you say give you time. You're like, oh, I got to give two hours to somebody every day. No. Sometimes it just takes five minutes. Hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. I believe in you. God's going to come through. God's going to make a way. I just wanted you to know I was praying for you today. Sometimes somebody just likes to know that somebody on their level is thinking about them. I know God's always thinking about me, but it's good, nice to know that your brother or your sister's thinking about you too. Be generous with everything that God's give you. Be generous with it. It'll come back and be a, such a blessing in your life. Let's lift our hands and pray this morning. Lord, let a spirit of generosity fall on us. Not just about money, God, but Lord, I pray that we'll be generous with our time, with our talents. Lord, that we'll love one another and lift one another up. Lord, that we'll have the right attitude for giving. For giving our time, for giving our money, for giving our talents. Lord, let us have your attitude. And we're going to praise you. I know it'll make us better. And I know we'll be more like you. So help us with this thing today, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. What a great God. What a great God. Thank you. And as I always say, I'm, I'm just, I think we're blessed with the best church. And I thank you for always being a giving church and, and supporting and helping in any way you can. It's, that's why we're here today. That's why we're still going almost 12 years later. That's why we're still here. God's taken care of us, always has supplied our needs. We've never missed a payment on anything. Never had to take a, except for a loan for this building, we've never had to get a loan. We've paid for our sound system twice, a new one over there and a new one here, paid for it. God takes care of us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. God's going to do some great things. God bless you.